Father, we thank you for this time that we gather together, Lord, humbly waiting to hear your word. Father, your word is precious. And as the Bible says, the word never returns back void, Lord. It always accomplishes its purpose. May it be so, Lord, as we looked in anticipation to hear what you have to speak to us, Father. Lord, cover me under your precious blood as I stand. May not be my weakness, Lord, but may it be you and may it be your pure words, O Lord, that goes to your people as you so desire. I cover the congregation under your precious blood and I submit myself to you, Lord. May your name alone be glorified this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today we are going to turn our attention to the book of Psalm chapter 27. The book of Psalm chapter 27. A very familiar psalm that many of us know and quite a few of the Christians have favorite verses from this book of Psalm 27. In fact, there is a verse from the psalm that is one of my wife's favorite verses. But today we are going to pay attention to just one single verse in the book of Psalm chapter 27 and that is the verse 3. So the context of Psalm 27 chapter 3 is this is David declaring certain truths in the presence of the Lord. So this has been recorded as a psalm by King David and this is what King David has to say. And his words are wonderful words because look what he says. There are extremities in this word. He says, though an army besieges me, my heart will not fear. Though an army besieges me, my heart will not fear. Though war break against me, even then I will be confident. King David is basically saying here, even if I'm a single person, and even if there was a great army that was going to surround me, he declares and says, my heart will not fear. And then he says, if war breaks out against me, even then I will be confident. Like we did yesterday, I first want to take a few moments for you to understand what is going on in the mind of this man as he writes these particular verses. Now imagine, I'm not saying this is the circumstance, but imagine you were in such a situation. You were in a situation where an army has besieged you for something, some reason, something you have done. Uh, and there is an army sent, not just the police or one or two people, but an entire army is sent and they are besieging you. What will the state of your heart be? Maybe you will utter a prayer here and there. Maybe you will say, Lord, what is going to happen to me? The point I am making is, often at times when we are put in the midst of overwhelming circumstances, the first thing that comes to our heart and mind is terror and fear and worry about what the outcome will be. But this verse is slightly different because this verse is saying, Lord, though an army besieges me, the Bible is not saying, David is not saying, I'm going to be terrified. He says, my heart will not fear. It is a declaration. He's saying, an army may surround me, Lord, but my heart will not fear. And then he goes on to say, David says, though a war breaks out against me, even then I will be confident. See, look what he's saying. He's saying, the army may come. The army may besiege me. They may declare war on me, but Lord, even in the midst of that, I will be confident. Traditionally, from the part of the world that we all come in, it is traditionally an expectation that you go to church on New Year and you get a promise from God. We all come with an expectation in our heart. Lord, what are you going to do for me this year? What is the promise you are going to make to me this year? The whole business about 
printing promise cards and we to have promise cards is about this year what is god going to promise to give me that is the expectation we all come to church with on 1st of january we want to hear from god we want to hear what god is telling us we want to hear what god also is telling us is going to happen in the new year whether those things take place or not this is an anticipation and it is a tradition amongst christians to do this today is going to be a bit of, of a difference there are two things that i am going to land with you one a promise of god for this year but two there is something that we have to do from our side for that promise because if you look at it and you honestly look at it the bible is full of promises promises are not written saying this promise is only for year 1996 this promise is only for the year 2024 that is not how the bible declares and writes the word of god these are written words and they are truthful words and these truthful words are applicable to everyone who is called as a child of god but we tend to selectively choose some of these promises and we want certain promises there are promises people expect for the month there are promises people expect for the week some of us when we wake up in the morning we open the bible we say lord what is the promise you are going to give for me for today and this is how our attitude towards god is but here in the book of psalm 27:3 in this verse that we read this is not a promise this is not god making a promise to david this is david saying lord i know who you are i have been your child lord ever since i was a little boy looking after the sheep in the wilderness i know of your care and of your protection so much so lord that today as i stand and an army may be besieging me lord and a war may break out against me lord but in my heart i will not fear he is making a declaration here and he is saying in the midst of a war i will be confident my brothers and sisters in christ if you google the word chariots of fire you will hit a lot of google links and by the time you get to the actual chariots of fire mentioned in the bible you'll have to go through few pages in the google search before you hit the actual verse in the bible which is from 1 kings 6 but there are two things i want to talk to you about to explain what the meaning of the verse in psalm 27:3 is to two incidents in the bible but before i do that i want to draw your attention to one fact this fact we all know about but this fact is a fact that many a times we overcome it and we kind of sideline it the fact is that everything that is written in the word of god is written for us it was not written to us see when you write a letter let's say i write a letter to my mom the letter is written to my mom it is it's been written to my mom but when someone takes that letter and reads it that's a conversation between me and my mother the same way in the bible what is recorded especially in the old testament and in the gospels is what god has written to those specific peoples particularly the old testament but unlike the letter that i write to my mom these instances that god has spoken to his people from that there are things that we can learn too that is why there is a difference that has been made when you say the word of god was not written to us but it was written for us when we read the word of god there are certain things that we need to understand and take and say okay what was going on at that time of the year or what was going on in that particular society or what was going on for that particular person to who god spoke these words that's the first thing we need to understand and many a times on sundays i strive very hard to bring the context first to you you need to understand the context of god's word 
It is then we have to jump into, yes, I understand the context of God's word, but what does these words mean to me today? That is what we have to do as a secondary. So first, in order to understand the context of what is going on in here, it is very clear. We cannot position and say that this was the time uh, Saul was uh, after David's life and so uh, there was an army surrounding him and therefore he is crying out to God. We cannot say with certainty it was the Philistines seeking David's life when he was a king. We don't really know when it was. But we clearly know that David was in a circumstance which is so dire and so critical and in his own words he declares and says, "And whole army Lord has risen against a single man. An old army, Lord, has declared war against a single man. But yet, Lord, in the midst of those dire circumstances, my heart will not fear. Lord, I will be confident in this one thing that you have told me. Coming back to the chariots of fire. There is a wonderful British film, Chariots of Fire. Um, it won many an Oscar awards in the late 80s. I mean, if you Google it, that's the first thing you will hit. But the film, the movie, was not based on a storyteller. The movie was based on real life of two men. One of that man was a Scottish Christian. And the other man was a staunch Jew. Could he ask the kids to be a bit silent at the back, please? Um, it's, it's distracting, that is why. Um, thank you, Lord. So it talks about, the, the story is about two men. And both of these men had something which is really in common. And what was in common for both of these men were that both these men were athletes. They were good runners, like we know Ben Johnson and we know Hussein Bolt. In such a way, in those times, these two men, two men who lived in this country, one a Christian and one a Jew, they were both athletes. And there are many instances that the, film, the movie portrays during the life of these two men. But what I want to draw your attention to is one particular pinnacle in the movie where both of these men get selected to represent the United Kingdom in the Olympics in Paris. So these two men, one a Christian, one a Jew, uh, good runners, they get selected and they are sent to uh, the, the Olympics in, Par in Paris. And all the, these men are prepared. One of them, Eric Ludlum is his name, he's a 100 meter runner like Hussein Bolt. I mean, one of the best runners in those, those days. And the other man was a 200 meter runner. So they, they were specialty. This was a specialty for two, both of these men. But when they boarded the ship to get to France, to Paris, to attend the Olympics, Eric Ludlow, the Christian, uh, Scottish Christian, he hears that the 100 meter race is scheduled for a Sunday. So this is what he hears. And he makes a determination that Sunday is the day that I give to God. Sunday is the day that I will be in church. There is no way I can run this 100 meter race and he withdraws from the 100 meter race at the Olympics. Imagine this for a moment. You spend your whole life practicing, preparing, passing tournaments after tournaments, getting an approval, coming to be one of the best for the country and the country sending you to a nation to take part in the Olympics and you now have the prize which is literally standing before you and at that moment this man says, the Scottish Christian says, because the race is on a Sunday, I am not going to run the race. The king calls him up and tries to convince him. The prime minister of UK calls him up and tries to convince him. All his friends call him up and try to convince him. But this man is determined and he says, no, I am not running the race. And instead, what he does is that Sunday, he preaches a sermon in a cathedral in Paris. I am not making this story up. 
It is a true story of an individual who was a Christian, who was so devoted and committed to his faith that even the best and the choicest part of his life, he was willing to sacrifice because he wanted to be on church on Sunday. He misses the race. On that Sunday, he stands and he preaches a sermon. And because he was preaching the sermon and because of what he did, many people were aware of the story saying, what a madman this is. He is forgiving an Olympics, he is foregoing an Olympics and he is preaching a sermon. Let us go and listen to what he says. And he preaches a wonderful sermon. And for those of you who are interested in watching this movie, when he preaches the sermon, towards the end of the sermon, he will read from the book of Isaiah. And as Eric Luddell stands and declares the, the words from Isaiah, it is an awesome few minutes to actually witness and see in that movie. I encourage you, if possible, to watch at least that scene from the movie. What is the point I am making to you? What relationship does the story have with the book of Psalm that we just read, Psalm 23? Why am I mentioning this to you? So here is a man who did not live thousands of years ago like in the Old Testament. Here is a man who just lived in the very decade and the very century that you and I are living. A man who was a staunch Christian who was willing to forego the pinnacle of his career to honor God. Now my brothers and sisters in Christ, this is the time to put ourselves on a spot for a few seconds. And I know this is when everyone gets comfortable and everyone who are looking at me will no longer look at me. So I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. But as a preacher of the Almighty God, as a servant of the Almighty God, I'm not here to stand and declare to you what you want to hear. I'm here to stand and declare to you the unadulterated truth of what God wants His servant to talk to His people about. Now put yourself in Eric Luddell's shoe. I have a birthday party on Sunday and I may not turn up to church. I may have to visit somebody else who has invited me and they are a close friend to me so I may not turn up to church. I may have other priorities such as my duty that I have to do or some work that I have to do that I may not turn up for church. These are all the reasons many of us give and I have given the same reasons myself too. I am not anyone special. The point is when it comes to God when it comes to your relationship with God, we are very good at claiming His promises, we are very good at expecting God's promises, we are very good to mouth all the Christian things, but when it comes to the practical reality of life, we fail to show that we are the children of God. Now take Eric Luddell for a second. Eric Luddell, despite the king and the prime minister calling him, said, no, this is the day that I will honor God. And look what God does. What God does with that honor is awesome and that is where the fact and the truth lies which I want you to take away. This man goes and preaches a sermon and because the people and the world thought he was odd, a huge crowd turned out to listen to his sermon. His sermon went on for many years changing the hearts and lives of people. His, he brought such a change in Christians' lives that people thought, look at this man, the kind of faith he has, he declares. God used his sacrifice to honor himself. You see what is happening here? This man sacrificed something. But God used that sacrifice and through that sacrifice of a single individual, the Lord was able to work and speak to thousands and thousands of people. But the story doesn't end there. What happens is, Eric Ludlill gets offered a place in the 200 meter race. He couldn't run the 100 meter race, the one he had trained on. And for those of you who are familiar with athletes, whether you guys believe it or not, I used to be an athlete at one point in my life. I'm 
I've got, you know, lots of stories to say. And, and I was, uh, when I was in school, I was just about that high. I mean, the shortest in my class. When I stand in the line, I'll be the shortest. But somehow I was an athlete. So the point I'm making is, you have to train specifically to run specific races. You can't run a 100-meter race and aim to win a 200-meter race. So here, Eric Ludlow got offered a place in the 200-meter race. And he accepts the offer. He says, I'll do my best. The best runners in that year in Paris in the Olympics were the Americans. And it is recorded in history that the American coach looks at his athletes who are running the 100-meter race and says, medal is certain for us. He even calls back home and declares that US has already won the medal. He says, this fellow is meant to run a 100-meter race. He is going to run a 200-meter race. Chance this fellow tell this, this guy tells him. From within the United States American team, one athlete writes a note to Eric Ludl. In the note, he says, God will honor those who honor him. What a wonderful verse this is. And, and the man who wrote this note is also a, a true human being. He lived, he was part of the U.S. athletes team. It's a true story. Eric Ludl reads the note, which says, God will honor those who honor him. Eric Ludl runs the race. And amazingly, he's the first in the race. He wins the gold medal in that year Olympics, not even being trained for the 200-meter race, but Eric Ludlow wins the 200-meter race. What is the point I'm making to you? My brothers and sisters in Christ, sometimes when we think we are sacrificing things for God, we think, oh, whatever I have lived for is this pinnacle of the moment. But at this moment, if I lose it, I'm not going to be able to gain it. So I sideline God. I put God below the priority that he needs to be in. Many a times, this is what we have done in our lives. And there have been perhaps many days last year, which is how you lived your life. Putting God not as the top priority, putting your parties, putting your place of work, putting whatever it was that you needed to do, rather than honoring God. Some of you may say, oh, Pastor Sherwin wants us to come to church because he wants to have a big gathering here. Maybe you can say that. Some people will say, this pastor insists us to come to church because he wants a collection from the church. There are many reasons people will give. Lame excuses people will give not to be in church. Oh, I will get my, my message and my sermon online. Yes, you can get it online. But it is not you being in church that is the importance here. It is you honoring God and saying, this day is your day, Lord. So therefore, I will honor you irrespective of what comes in my life. Am I making sense to you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Lord, God wants honor for, from you. And when you sacrifice and when you honor God, there is one thing that I can stand as a servant of the Almighty God and vouch for you this morning is God always honors you honoring Him. Let me say that again. God always honors you honoring Him. He will never let go. He will never forget when you honor God. You can honor God with so many things. You can honor God with your money. You can honor God with your faith. You can honor God with your commitment. You can honor God with the way you live your life. There are 101 ways you can honor God. Some women do not wear jewels. Some certain searchers, they enforce and say, oh, women must not wear jewels. Look, it's not about that. It is about a woman saying, this is what makes me look beautiful, Lord. But for your sake, I'm not going to wear it. That is honoring God, not forcing a woman not to wear jewels. See, you can honor God by not wearing jewels. You can honor God by fasting. There are so many ways to honor God. My brothers and sisters in Christ, here is a question for you. 
in the year 2024 how is it that you are going to honor your father you who have come to church this new year expecting to receive a promise from god expecting for god to give you a promise and keep his commitment because then when god gives you a promise you hold on to the promise and you say lord you said no you said no do for me but i am turning this around and i am asking you what is the promise are you going to make to god almighty this new year yes he is going to give you a promise but what is the promise you are making back to god saying lord this year this is my promise and commitment to you lord until the end of this year lord i will stand and i will live by that way how many of you are ready to say that in a way this is exactly what david is doing in the book of psalm 23 chapter 3 he is not looking at the army and being terrified he is not running away from the army he is not complaining to god he is not cribbing and saying lord why did you put me in this you said you will make me a king lord but look what is happening he says none of that his words are words of honoring god he says lord i am a single man there is a army against me lord but my heart will not fear because you are with me lord lord there is a war declared against me but in your name i will be confident lord see when as a christian as a child of god you stand in the presence of god just between you and him and you declare to god and say lord i put my entire trust in you that is a way to honor god my brothers and sisters in christ when you honor god by what he has said he will do for you it is an awesome thing honoring god with money honoring god with time honoring god with many other things is also good but whenever you honor god and say i know you are faithful to your word and lord i know you will stand by your word in my life and lord because you have said so i believe in you try doing that my brothers and sisters in christ eric ludlow honored god by not running the race god used that humble sacrifice of eric ludlow and he created something awesome into the world but then he never failed to honor this man amongst the best athletes in those days the americans the americans would have thought what is happening here how come to this fellow in this race but who was behind it it was god almighty in that movie the chariots of fire when you look at the scene eric ludrell running into the stadium it's an awesome scene to see and behind the book of isaiah will be read and it's it's a wonderful you know really uplifting scene to watch a man sacrifice turned into a movie still today having a meaning that man sacrifice that took place in the olympics that day This Sunday morning on the 1st of January 2024 is being used to instill in new something. Do you see what is happening here? A simple sacrifice to God, honoring God continues for generations and years and times to come. This man's name Eric Ludel we said over and over again and it will be used to turn people's heart to God. Hallelujah. There is a chariot of fire in the book of 1 Kings 6:2. And that is the final point I want to talk about. The name of this movie was Chariots of Fire, but the book of 1 Kings 6 also talks about a chariots of fire. This is a conversation between two men. One is the mighty prophet Elijah and the second is Elijah's servant. The Bible says that the servant wakes up one day and he goes out of the house that he was staying in and he looks and he sees an entire army surrounding Elijah. what was happening is in those days elijah was a mighty prophet god used him in such wonderful and astonishing ways god used to tell him what israel's enemies were planning against jerusalem and elisha used to go and instruct the king and the king was able to plan and escape from all of those things so this king 
of Armen, uh, the Armenian king, he is so fed up with Elisha. He says, this fellow, even the secrets I talk in my bedroom, this fellow somehow knows. I am not making it up. The Bible says, the advisors of the Armenian king goes and tells them, King, King, what the, even the secrets that you are talking in your bedroom, Elisha knows. So he says, go get this fellow and come. And he doesn't send two soldiers, he doesn't send three soldiers. The Bible says that he sends an entire army. A whole army to capture who? One man. And the servant of Elijah opens the house door and he looks around him and the whole army is surrounded him. The Bible says that the army surrounded the city. So therefore it cannot be one or two people. It got to be many people. And the Bible says there were people on horses, there were people in chariots all surrounding one single man, Elijah. And look what the Bible says. The Bible says in 2 Kings 6.14, then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force. They went by night and surrounded the city. Verse 15 says, The servant looks at Elijah and he says, Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. So as soon as the servant sees the circumstances, and the servant is terrified. He says, Lord, Master, what am I going to do in the circumstance? A whole army has surrounded us. Elijah replies in verse 16 and he says, Don't be afraid. The prophet answered, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Look at that wonderful word. Elisha is saying, that army may be surrounding us. Don't be afraid, servant. Those who are with us are greater than those who are around us. There is a story about Sadhu Sundar Singh. Um, Brother Gurdial Singh, I don't know if you have heard about Sadhu Sundar Singh. He was a Punjabi. A man born in a Punjabi family, but who became a Christian. There is a story in Sadhu Sundar Singh's life when he goes preaching the gospel of God and the village that Sadhu Sundar Singh was preaching that night, the elders in the village gathered together, it was a Hindu village, and they say, why is this man here preaching an unknown God to us? Let us go and slaughter him. So they come with all their forces to the house that Sadhu Sundar Singh is staying and they want to kill this man. They really want to slaughter him. Sadhu Sundar Singh is on the roof of the house that night praying. He, he doesn't see the people around him. The, the, the story describes that they come with flaming torches and machetes and knives and they just want to slaughter this man. Something happens in that moment and the whole people who come to kill Sadhu Sundar Singh disperse away. They just go away. The following day, a question is raised amongst the leader of the group who goes to kill Sadhu Sundar Singh. See, this is not again a, a fable or a story. It is a true instant in a man of God who was born in India, born as a Punjabi, who became a Christian and who lived such an awesome life for God. And this is a true instant that takes place in Sadhu Sundar Singh's life. They question and say, you went with so many people, you went with swords, you went with knives, you went with flaming torch against one man. Why did you come without harming Sadhu Sundar Singh? And this fellow who goes to kill Sadhu Sundar Singh, he tells the person who is asking a question, I went thinking Sadhu Singh, Sundar Singh was one man, but surrounding his house, I saw so many people standing with drawn swords in their hand. A true incident that took place. What was happening? God was protecting this man from the terror that was surrounding one single man, a man of God who stood faithful to God, God protected and preserved. That is exactly what is happening in 2 Kings chapter 6. Elisha says, don't worry about them. The people who are with us are far more than the people who are with them. The Bible goes on to say, 
that when Elisha opens the eyes of the servant, the servant sees that the whole army of the Arameans are surrounded by the army of God. How awesome that would have been. And the Bible describes it as being chariots of fire. And God gives an awesome victory for Elijah that day. Here is another chariot of fire. Two people. One person questions in terror and asks, what is going to happen to me? But one man who is a servant of God declares and said, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. A faith that honors God. And when there is a faith that honors God, God always comes and honors the person who has that faith. Hallelujah. My brothers and sisters in Christ, I was going to talk to you about another instant in the Bible, but we are running out of time. And another instant I wanted to talk to you about is what happened to Hezekiah in the book of Isaiah 36. For those of you who are interested, I urge you to go home and read the two chapters, Isaiah 36 and 37. Because it is another awesome instance that takes place in the Bible of how God protects his children. The book of Isaiah 36 and 37. So what is the point I am making to you on this New Year's Day? In the book of Psalm, chapter 27, verses 3, David is besieged by an army. War has been declared over him. The Bible says that David stands and says, Lord, though an army besieges me, my heart will not fear. And though war breaks out against me, Lord, even then I will be confident. The first thing I want to draw your attention to is David's confidence and trust in God in the midst of his deepest, deepest terrifying circumstance. See, there is an English phrase which says gravity. See, they say, do you understand the gravity of the situation? Do you, do you really understand what is there? Sometimes they say, do you understand the heaviness of the situation? My brothers and sisters in Christ, when we hear a story from somebody else, maybe it is a sad story, we usually make the nice power. When we say those things, we kind of hear what that person is saying and we understand it to a certain level. What we don't really understand is the heaviness of that situation. What we don't understand is the gravity of the situation that that person is. But when that same instance happens to us, that is when we realize the gravity of the situation. That is when we realize the heaviness of the situation. Hearing somebody else's problem, is, a, is, 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 is you understand to a level and you may sympathize. But when you go through that circumstance in your own life, there is something that happens to you, which is the heaviness of a situation. The gravity of a situation. Perhaps there are some of you in church today who are going through a circumstance of heaviness. Who are going through a circumstance which is so grave and it is so desperate. And you are wondering and your focus has been on many of how will I achieve this? How will I do this? What is going to happen to me? How will this year pan out? How will this thing work for me? What will this person say about me? What will I do to overcome the situation? How do I overcome this challenge? Many a times when we realize the heaviness and the gravity of the situation, our focus is always upon how, why, what. Like the servants asked Elisha, like the people around Hezekiah asked Hezekiah, how are we going to do this? What is going to happen? But when we use David as an example, in the book of Psalm chapter 23 verses 3, David was not focusing on the heaviness of the situation. David wasn't focusing on the gravity of the situation. David was focusing on his master. David was saying, Lord, an army is around me, yet I will not fear, Lord. Lord, 
they have declared war against me but still i will be confident to you my brothers and sisters in christ whatever comes your way this year 2024 however grave that situation is however heavy that situation is whatever your circumstance it is that you are going through i want you to remember the verse psalm 23 the verse 3 and david which says even an army may besiege me lord but i will not fear my brothers and sisters in christ in the book of isaiah there is a beautiful verse and i just want to very quickly call that verse out to you isaiah 54 verse 16 and 17 that's my last concluding verse as i read it but i want you to give me your attention as i read that verse because in that verse you are going to catch a sentence which you are very well aware of there is a verse in that there is a sentence in that verse which you are all very aware of let me read it to you this is the lord looking at his prophet isaiah and him saying see it is i who created the blacksmith who fans the coals into flame and forges a weapon fits for his work and it is i who have created the destroyer to havoc to create havoc no weapon formed against you will prevail and you will refute every tongue that accuses you this is the heritage of the servants of the lord and this is their vindication for me declares the lord you see what is going on in this verse this is god speaking to his prophet and he is saying no weapon formed against you will prosper we have all focused on that verse in some of our homes we have that verse written on the wall it is true but do you see what god is actually saying there and i want you to really understand what is going there the lord is actually telling his prophet isaiah you know that uh, knife that they carry when they come to surround you with a uh, with a with a with an army you know the weapon they carry to destroy you that very weapon the person who made that weapon i created this is what god is saying god is saying you're looking at that weapon and you're afraid but he's saying not only you're looking at that weapon and you're afraid the lord is telling the prophet isaiah the guy who created that weapon i formed you see what god is saying god is saying you're afraid of this weapon my child my son my daughter you're looking at this weapon and you're afraid but you are forgetting that it is me who created the man who formed that weapon am i making sense to you hallelujah the lord is saying see let me read it to you it is saying it is i who created the blacksmith who fans the coals into flame and forges a weapon fit for his work he is not saying he is not looking at the weapon and then it is saying once the blacksmith has created that weapon i only created that man the guy who is wielding this weapon against you and threatening you he is saying and it is i who have created this destroyer who we uh, who wrecks havoc and then he says no weapon formed against you will prevail you see what god is saying you see what god is saying here he is saying you are looking at the weapon and you are running helter skelter but you are forgetting who i am i am god almighty i created the very fellow who created that weapon and i have even created the fellow who is wielding the weapon against you fear not my child for i am your god i have called you and i am faithful to you how long will you dishonor me with your lack of faith how long will you dishonor me by asking me for promises of the promises when you fail to see what i have declared already in your word you see how compassionate god is how merciful god is god looks and he gives these words to the nation israel my brothers and sisters in christ the book of psalm chapter 23 verses 3 David says though an army besieges me my heart will not fear though a war breaks against me i will still be confident 
So what is your promise verse for the year 2024? What is your promise verse that God gives us as a church, Christ our Hope Church? It is this verse. But as you can see, it is not a promise. It is a claim to a promise. Not the promise, but a claim to the promise. David is claiming the promise God made to him, saying, You said and you anointed me to be the king, Lord. So I know I will one day be a king, even if an army besieges me. I will not fear. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, even if war breaks out against me, Lord, still I will be confident. This is your promise for today. A promise that God is giving you, saying, I will always honor my words. Have I spoken to you? I am a faithful God. I will honor my words to you. He's not giving you one promise and saying, I'll do this one promise for you this year. The Lord is saying, whatever I have told you, my child, have I given you my word? I will stand by my word. And in return, I want your declaration that you honor me with your faith. Are we prepared to honor God this year, 2024? Honoring God by honoring what he said he will do. Not honoring God with your time, your money. Those are good things and do that. But this year may it be different. May it be different that we will honor God and say, Because you said so, Lord. Because your word is a word of truth. I will believe in your word and through that belief I will honor you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, loving heavenly.